Most entrepreneurs struggle to generate more customers and online leads. Lack of quality online leads means lack of revenue, and that's bad for your business. Here at Investing in the US Podcast, we have partnered up with Ardor SEO, who have developed a system to help maximize your business and online exposure. Your experience as a business owner can radically change for the better with the right SEO team. And with Ardor's system, you wouldn't believe how simple it can be. So find out more by heading over to ardorseo.com. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. What we like to think of ourselves as as connectors. I think it's really a God-given ability that Russ and I have is to go and seek the truth. Uh, We talk about the light, right? Because people are naturally in the dark when it comes to finances. And we want to just give them the light and bring them to that point. Um, and, and really that comes into the idea that one, this is possible, but they don't know where to start. And so we want to curate the best content, the best, um, practitioners of whatever that may be. Maybe it's, um, syndicating apartments. Maybe it is, you know, wholesaling properties. Maybe it is subject to, maybe it's online businesses, all these, we want to bring the experts into one place. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. I have the pleasure of speaking with the dangerous duo, Russ Morgan and Joey Uray. Russ and Joey are on a mission to help educate and change the mindset of individuals, business owners, and investors nationwide when it comes to building wealth and breaking the shackles of traditional Wall Street investing. They both co-host the up-and-coming podcast called the Wealth Without Wall Street Podcast, and I'm really pumped and excited to have them on the show today to share their incredible insight and their knowledge. But enough out of me, let's get them out here. G'day, lads. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good day, my friend. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for for having us, man. That's an Alabama good day to you. <laughs> yes, yes. And you boys are dialing in from Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. right? Yeah, that's great. How's the weather down there right now? Getting into summer? Uh, yeah, Sticky. it's actually been more mild than normal this time of year. Had some actually like mornings in the 70s and stuff. That just means 89 instead of 99. <laughs> I was just in Texas last week, and uh, I'm sure, like uh, Alabama, as soon as you walk outside, you start sweating because of the humidity. Uh, very similar to where I'm from in Australia. So I, I understand your pain. And living here in Los Angeles, a little bit drier heat, which is, uh, I like it. <laughs> you forget the humidity part of no it, doubt. right? All right, lads, well, let's get into it. So um, the first question I ask all my guests when they come on the show is, rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. And I'll let Russ go first. Yeah, I, I was thinking through that question. And I, 
it probably goes back to maybe first grade, Joey. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a scavenger. So I, in order to not shocked by that, in order to make money, <laughs> I actually went out in my neighbor's yard. So we lived in kind of a, uh, a rural area and I would go pick pecans off the ground and I would take them to like this little farmer's market, sort of like people do with cans, right? You can take cans to back to the recycling bin. And I would take pecans to this farmer's market and they would give us, and I don't even know how much it was per pound, but that was, I was like carrying a five gallon bucket. So it was really more like exercising and making money all at the same time. But that's a real, that's the real side hustle there when you're out scavenger in somebody's yard and you're like, what is this kid doing? He's like cleaning up my yard. It's like, no, I'm literally cleaning up. I'm trying to get money. Mine, uh, not nearly as industrious. Uh, I, I went to a bunch of different summer camps growing up. And then it was kind of one of those natural things that once I got old enough to go and work for the camp, I was like, well, I want to hang out at the camp anyway. I might as well get paid to be here. So I was like dishwashing in the, uh, in the, the mess hall there. And that was a blast. I mean, you kind of only worked a few hours of the day and then you're free the rest of the time. So had a blast with that, but I think the the most um, I guess industrious way in college I actually ran valet, and that was like the most efficient job in college because you could work for like four or five hours in an afternoon or something, and people were giving you tips plus minimum wage, and yeah, it was it was a very very lucrative job. All my friends were making minimum wage, and I was sitting here just mopping up. I had to wear white tennis shoes, though. <laughs> well, I love the dishwashing because I was a dish pig uh, growing up as well. And uh, I remember working in an Italian restaurant and being so hungry late at night, like scooping the bottom of the, the, the pots, trying to get like the last mouthful of risotto before chucking it in the dishwasher. <laughs> you didn't want to eat this stuff at the camp, I, I promise you. <laughs> well, lads, let's get into the journey. I want to know a little bit about how you guys came together. It sounds like you're pretty good friends and mates. So did you grow up and, and, and what was the journey before you hit, went down this path of becoming entrepreneurs? So I'll, I'll say Russ and I were actually really good friends before we ever got involved in any sort of business relationship. We went to church together in Sunday school together, sat next to each other all the time. And at one point I was in the mortgage business and he was in the financial world. He was learning a lot of these things that we now teach. And he said, hey, uh, is it okay if I start sending you referrals to my clients? I'm like, uh, yes, that would work. And he said, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to read this book. And you're going to have to kind of come, come with me on some of these different seminars. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then he charged me for the book, which was I thought was low. You know, hey, give me $20. I'm like, okay, I guess so. And um, anyways, that really sparked a relationship where he was teaching me the things I was searching for. And that's what really became the kind of the spark that was like, man, why don't more people know this? And after working with him for four years as a client, I was like, man, I'm passionate about this. Like we need to be, we need to be kind of teaming up here and uh, two is better than one, get the word out. And, and that's kind of how we uh, broke off and started Wealth Without Wall Street. So basically, Reed, he said I was his hero, his mentor, and his, <laughs> his guide along the way. All those things. Divine spirit. Exactly. Right? He's patting himself on the back literally right now and physically. What book was it that you gave him? I, I gave him a book that was written um, back in 2000 called Becoming Your Own Banker. It was something that was new to me at the time because I came out of a typical financial planning background. I was a certified financial planner. I like to say now that I'm a recovering certified financial planner. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a book is by a man named Nelson Nash. And so was there a pain point in your careers individually that forced you to become the partnership you are today? Like you, clearly your, your whole message is wealth without Wall Street. You want to escape the shackles of what we've been told traditionally is how you invest. So was that through personal pain or was it just more the fact that you just like couldn't do what everyone's telling you to do the rest of your life and you need to yeah. figure out a better way of making Yeah, money. so we, when Joey came to work with me, we were at a, like a typical financial planning firm. They had sort of started adopting some of these concepts that were what we would say outside of Wall Street, but at the same time, they were still managing, you know, 
hundreds of millions of dollars in investment dollars. And, and so for us, it seemed counterproductive. It was like, you know, we were, we were sitting there railing on Wall Street, but every day we walked in this building pretending that we were self-employed, but we were really kind of uh, employees to some degree of this financial firm that had a ticker on the wall. <laughs> you know I mean? And, and for us, it was like, this, this doesn't fit what we we're trying to accomplish. So we decided to, you know, say, hey, look, you know, the, the most successful people that we're helping are entrepreneurs. We really have that spirit anyway. We were kind of leading the, the group, if you will, and ultimately dragging them. It's like, I don't know if you ever have a dog and you're trying to get them to go somewhere. For me, it's trying to get them in the back of my truck. And he's just like, you know, sitting down, pull, you know, like just everything in their body trying to keep from, you know, being pulled. And that's what that financial firm was like. We were just pulling them along the way. And finally, we're like, let's just turn loose of this thing and let's just go out on our own. So at that point of turning loose, did you have a bunch of clients that you were already promoting products to? And I guess we should define for those listeners out there, what do you, what do you guys define as outside Wall Street investing? Yeah, so outside for us is, well, Wall Street for, for anything that, that we talk about is more about a mindset, right? There's this process, I think, where people operate in the dark, if you will, when it comes to finance. And a lot of people have been searching for a way out, but not knowing what the light is and sometimes going in the wrong direction. Sometimes they seek advisors who are just in the dark as well as they are. And for some people, being in the dark creates anxiety, but for some people, it's sleep, right? And so when we talk about operating outside of Wall Street, not only is it products, but it's mindset. So we think anything that has to do with stocks and bonds and traditional mutual fund investing, 401ks, that kind of stuff is what we would consider Wall Street. Anything that is outside of that, whether that's investing in businesses, whether it's in real estate, online space, any lending, yeah, any operation that could be considered something outside of that typical advisory space is what we would say is outside of Wall Street. Agree, yeah, John, yeah, and I, I, what I would add to that is just to kind of give further, um, I guess, meat on the bone, so to speak, as to what Russ is talking about is Wall Street kind of has you bought into this idea that retirement is an act that happens when you're in your 60s or 70s, and you're you're just abdicating your money to somebody that is this we like to call them a money babysitter, right? somebody that's just kind of watching over it and you, you don't feel like you have to be engaged in the process of building your own wealth because you're handing it off to somebody else. And time and time again, I mean, no different than even current day, we're, we're left wanting and, and lacking because that person is not watching our money better than we can. It's like the idea of a babysitter. Uh, Russ tells the story of coming home and finding his babysitter asleep and his kids running around at them. And you're like, wait a minute, you should be watching my kids. But it's, it's, it's anticlimactic uh, for us to think that somebody is going to care for our kids or our money better than ourselves. And we also think that like waiting until you're 65 or 70 to start truly living and not creating cash flow today, that's a villain. Like that's a, a mindset. It's a limiting belief that we have to break free of. And we have to say, man, it is possible. And I need to take action today to take control to make it happen in two years, three years, 10 years. Even if it took us 10 years, we're talking about shaving 30 years off the time frame that the typical advice is going to get you. So that, that kind of adds a little bit more you know, depth to what we're talking about. And I think the whole underlying message here is that really Wall Street and the vehicles you just described are pretty much an industrialized revolution since the 1950s, since after the Second World War. They've only really been around for 60 years. And prior to that, everyone was an entrepreneur. Everyone was sort of doing their own thing and creating their own wealth through different ways at the turn of the century and all that sort of stuff. And now we're seeing a shift back to that sort of days where people like are waking up to the fact that, hey, this is not, I don't want to live till I'm 65 and then start living. So I think it's a, it, it, when you start looking at it from a really macro point of view, it's actually only been a relatively recent in history time that we've had these types of vehicles to create quote unquote wealth. But then people are seeing that they're not actually as you know, 
they're not, they're not cracked up to what everyone's telling them that they're cracked up to be. And so thus the people are now finding other ways and educating themselves in other ways to go out and create cash flow today so they can start living a life on their terms and not have to wait till they're 65. And I completely agree with everything you guys have just said. Part of what my why was, my pain was like, I just didn't want to live in a cubicle for the next 40 years of my life. You know, I wanted to be my own boss. So I think that's uh, that's really, really incredible stuff. So tell me a little bit about, from a Chinese menu point of view, what do you guys offer from a services, everything from the free appetizers all the way through to the uh, market price lobster? Yeah, no no doubt. Well, I, I don't know what number 23 is on the list, but... <laughs> <laughs> the way that we operate, Reed, is first is we, we believe in education as the starting point of everything. Like, so we're always going to tell somebody the first investment is in yourself. And so we've built out uh, like our free menu, if you will, our free appetizer, the chips on, on the table at the Mexican restaurant that we just dominated yesterday, Joey, <laughs> that was completely outside of my diet. But that, that for us is like we built a whole online community and it's about 2,500 people in it right now. And inside of there, anything from budgeting courses, debt courses, um, every different passive income uh, idea that we have run across in the last two and a half years after interviewing 100, 150 different entrepreneurs. And it's amazing to me how many different ways there are to create cash flow to the, the main thing that we do that is we actually set up these uh, the, uh, dividend paying life insurance contracts as a place where people store cash ultimately then toward pointing them toward uh, different groups and communities that are on the path to getting uh, financially free. And so we have, um, you know, paid for subscription courses and stuff like that inside of our community as well. So it sounds like you guys are really uh, the new era of financial advisors, so to speak. It's, it's, it's outside that traditional space. And it's really through the education trying to make sure that people are aware of the different other avenues that they can create the cash flow that they need in order to set themselves up. And to what you said before, Joey, shave 20, 30 years off that quote-unquote retirement plan right. <laughs> and start living a little bit more today. Yeah, and what we like to think of ourselves as is connectors. I think it's really a God-given ability that Russ and I have is to go and seek the truth. Uh, we talk about the light right? Because people are naturally in the dark when it comes to finances and we want to just give them the light and bring them to that point. Um, and, and really that comes into the idea that one, this is possible, but they don't know where to start. And so we want to curate the best content, the best um, practitioners of whatever that may be. Maybe it's um, syndicating apartments. Maybe it is you know, wholesaling properties, maybe it is subject to, maybe it's online businesses, all these, we want to bring the experts into one place. And like you said, be the, the new era where people are empowered to take action towards those things and see, man, I don't have to just accept the way that my parents told me that they had to do it. And people see how disappointing that was, right? So they want something. Well, and I would say too, like the typical financial advisor that you would probably think of is really wanting you to transfer their, your money to them and them to manage it and hold on to it for as long as possible while they get wealthy using it. And, and for our part, like we, we don't want you to give us your money. Like that's not our objective. Like we teach people how you become successful, not how we become successful and you become successful hopefully through us. We try to teach right. people a process of how to put money in motion. And you know the things that we're teaching every single day and, the, and beautifully being taught back from our clients as they are coming up with new ways and ideas to use money that we hadn't even considered is really a journey all in of itself. Because I mean, really the part of this is that what I love is hearing like, you know, we love using this analogy of people operating in a tunnel, for instance, in the dark, but is when people see the light, they see what really uh, financial freedom looks like and they go experience it. We love seeing how they go back in the dark and grab people that they know of that were in the dark and bring them back out with them. And that's kind of what really inspires Joey and I to keep getting up every day is that we're not the hero in the story. <laughs> we're just a part of the, the beggar showing the other beggars where the bread is. And as Joey said, the connecting part of that, we, we're gifted in that way. We love connecting with people. And when we hear new stories, we want to share it. And, and thankfully, we get in the way because what we do is help entrepreneurs who are great at making money 
uh, but are terrible at keeping it. We show them a great place to keep it, but then we also show them how to get it going again <laughs> and, and put it back in motion. And when we get to hear those stories down the road, it's never about, man, I'm so glad I bought that whole life insurance policy through you guys. It's always, man, I can't believe the things I'm doing with my money today and where we are and what that has provided for our family and how many friends I've shared with this. There's the stories, there's the wins. And, and we just, you know, have that halo effect. We just happen to be around for the, for the good news. Right. You talk about education. And, and one of the things that I've noticed on your website is these five pillars um, to building wealth without Wall Street. Do you want to walk us through what those five pillars are? Yeah. So I think that's really kind of, if you think about the process that we walk people through, is first and foremost, if you don't know where you're spending money, if you don't know where money is leaking, quote unquote, out of your control, then you obviously are out of control. And so the first, if we're going to take control, we're going to start with cash flow. So we have, we walk people through a budgeting course and, you know, don't, don't turn me off right now because you, I said the word budget. We're talking about like a budgeting course that you've never seen that's automating your budget. And it's wasn't created by Russ or I, it's by one of our clients and friends who has really mastered this. And so once you know your budget, now you can then look for other ways that you may be leaking cash flow in the way of how you pay down debt, how you pay your mortgage, how you pay your taxes. So we have tax attorneys and um, accountants in our community who are helping people to shave those things down every single year to gain more and more control of the money that would have been going to the IRS anyway. So that would be the first step is cash flow. The second one, then turns into where we, we create an opportunity fund, right? Now we can save efficiently. And that opportunity fund, as Russ mentioned, is what that book, Become Your Own Banker, was based off of is really creating storehouses for our cash in these dividend-paying whole life insurance policies designed for cash, not necessarily for the protection piece we always associate with life insurance. And so we are experts in that space and we have an entire community within our community where we're diving deep into how to use these policies to better than invest in the last three pillars. And uh, Russ mentioned those before, but real estate, business, and lending. So those are kind of overarching, you know, topics or, or what have you. But underneath those, we're, there's hundreds of strategies that people then use the cash from their policies to invest and create cash flow in the, one of those three pillars. And so we want people to choose one of those paths that aligns with what their goals are and what their passions are, and then create as, as fast as they can create freedom because we don't want to defer life. We want to live it today. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about whole life insurance policies, do you want to maybe break down We've had a few people on the show talking about it. I have MC Laubscher on the show talking about the infinite uh, banking system. I've had a couple other people on the show, but maybe for those people who haven't listened to that episode, talk a little bit about what that means in and around the, the life insurance policy. Yeah, well, it's, Rita, this is a, you know, it's a, um, a niche area that, to be honest with you, I was in the, uh, the financial industry for over four years and never heard about it. You know, I was a certified financial planner. I was investing in all the typical things that most people would, um, their advisors would help them with. And I was exposed to this concept of using a dividend paying life insurance contract, which when I thought about that, like all the study that I had told me like, this is something for like an 80 year old grandma that <laughs> didn't like the bank for whatever reason. So she decided she wanted to put it in her CD. She's going to stick it over here. Um, but it's a little bit more than that because uh, the guy who showed it to me said, well, let me first uh, tell you something. Um, for instance, Joey worked at Wells Fargo Bank, one of the second largest banks in the U.S. And he said, let me show you the balance sheet of Wells Fargo Bank and kind of go through and, and, and show you where their assets are. And he said, look down here at this, this line 31. It shows you uh, life insurance assets held by Wells Fargo Bank. And it was $18 billion of cash value. And I was like, what? And he said, let's, let's scroll up just a little bit and let's look at real estate properties. That's all the bank buildings that Wells Fargo has across the U.S. And it says like $12 billion. He said, let me give you perspective of what banks do with money. They put it in the safest place that they can use it because banks make money by lending money. But that's how, that's, you know, for a grocery store, the inventory on the shelves are 
or their products, right? For you as a real estate um, syndicator, the apartment complexes are your inventory. For banks, cash is inventory. And so their goal is to, to have as much access to it as possible and to keep it um, liquid so that they can put it in motion. And he said, this is, this is what, Russ, you need to be teaching your clients. You need to show them how to store hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether that's per month, per year, over their lifetime, depending on the person you're working with, in this place as a flow through to something that's going to create cash flow, like something like you do, Reed. And so when I started learning about this, I was like, wait a second, I, I didn't realize that this could be designed in a way that I could actually build lots of cash as early as month one, right? I mean, most life insurance policies that are out there, and if you're listening to this, you may either own one currently or have owned one in the past, and you look down at the balance of your, you know, what you've put in there, and there's not that much money. And it's because typical life insurance is bought for a death benefit, where these contracts are actually the way we build them and the way we were showed, and we just, again, modeling what the banks were actually doing themselves, was building it off of how much cash can I put in here at the smallest death benefit that the government will allow me. Investing in the US podcast is proudly sponsored by ardorseo.com. Online marketing for your business shouldn't be a headache, and that's why the guys over at Ardor SEO have created a no-hassle system that will increase your online traffic, increase your leads, and generate predictable and reliable revenue. So what are you waiting for? Head over to ardorseo.com and find out more. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. Okay, so so maybe walk us through an example because I don't want to jump to the conclusion, but I've already I know where we're going with this. But so let's just let's just use a million dollars example. So you have a million bucks and you place it in one of these uh, whole life insurance policies. What can I do with it next? Yeah. So uh, so lots of different ways to to design a policy, right? So most of our clients, if it's all right, let me give you an example. That's a very typical model, sure. right? Somebody comes to us and yep. says. Hey, look, you know, uh, I've been very successful so far. Uh, I'm not spending every dollar that I make. And let's say I make $500,000 a year and I spend $200,000 a year. So I got 300,000 of cash flow. In the past, I've put that in as much as I could into my SEP IRA, the rest I put in cash, and then I just buy real estate out of it, right? Um, and we say, what, what should I do then? And I said, well, okay, well, we could take that 300,000 of cash flow or $30,000 of cash flow or 3,000 cash flow, whatever the number is, and we can shift shove this into an insurance policy. Do you have any other cash along with that? Well, yeah, I've got like $500,000 sitting over here just for a rainy day, you know, because if deals go bad, that that's going to happen. This was something Joey always would do is he would store lots of cash because he was in a commission-based environment. Yeah. And so then we would design an insurance policy, maybe using those numbers off that $300,000 a year of cash flow and half a million dollars they have. So they put in 800,000 in year one and we, we have access to about 600 to 650,000 of that 800 day one or the, when they get it in there at the end of the year, if they put it in their monthly or whatever. So then they come to, to, to a guy like you read and they say, Hey, if I give you half a million dollars, what can you do with it? And that's up to you, right? Whatever, whatever you do and whatever that, uh, you know, preferred return and other profit uh, sharing mechanisms you guys have in your, in, in your funds. And then they say, okay, well now I have this extra cash flow. How do, what do I do with that cash flow? Well, what they've done is literally they've, they've collateralized an asset. Really. We're also familiar with that as real estate investors, where we, we have an asset, which is the real estate, and we oftentimes have loans against that in the form of lines of credit or whatever. Their insurance policies act just the same way. The difference is, is that there's no uh, credit check on there. There's no uh, limitation to them being able to access it up to uh, what they have in it. And the beauty of it is that the growth internally in the insurance policy happens regardless if they're invested in your deal or not. So our clients love right. the fact that they get to have their dollars doing two things. One, earning a, a safe three to 4% tax-free return after all the insurance costs, after paying for Joey's uh, you know, new car, whatever it is, <laughs> they, they get that, but also they get the investment that they are putting the money into. And then as they, you know, are, are, finding uses for that cash flow, they're just replenishing the loan that they've taken out from the insurance company, which is a great place to store the cash that allows them to do it again. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I'm going to break it down even further than that. So what you're essentially saying is you're chucking a bunch of money into a whole life insurance policy. You're then borrowing against it. And that, what, what, is that, what does that rate cost? 
to pull it out of an insurance policy. So from every insurance company, a little different. Uh, I, I own, I know this is gonna probably shock people, but I own 21 different life insurance policies <laughs> with six different companies. So I, uh, the, the cheapest one is at 4.4% right now. And the most expensive one is at 8% right now. That's what they're paying you or that's what you have to pay them in order to get. Yeah. If I, if I took a loan from them, that's the going rate right now. Got it. Okay. And then what are they paying on the money in the policy? Yeah. So it's, this is where, this is where the Delta comes in and where people need to understand the difference between it all and then then thus using the money to go up and create an eight or nine percent pref on, a, on an investment yeah so what they're they're typically uh making somewhere between three to five percent depending on the you know how long the policy's been enforced right i mean these, it's like starting up a new business when they first start it for the first couple of years they're in the hole like that example i gave they they put in 800k and had access to 650 right it'll take them probably three or four years to where when they they're putting in cash in it they're getting dollar for dollar what they're putting in so, so just from a layman's point of view, we you're putting in money, you're borrowing it back out, let's say three percent. Um, you're maybe earning four or five percent on that same money. So there's a there's a delta there, which is good. So it keeps growing the nest egg. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. And then you're taking that money and putting it into an eight percent pref investment return. So you have a blended maybe nine to ten percent return on the same money um, that you invested in the whole life insurance policy. Is that roughly what I've got? Is that correct? It, it it is and, and i you know my your brain is very similar to mine where when you first hear this you want to try to figure out where the delta is how the math works out so you can like ultimately see is this the best and i had to it took me six months Reed, to go through this because somebody had to prove it over and over because <laughs> my my predisposition to this subject matter was anti right and so like i Right. Somebody had to really over and over show me with calculators. But the beauty of this is what I've found. And it's really for the last two or three years as Joey and I have seen this work is that the return that the man who wrote this book, he named it, as you said earlier, infinite banking. And it really becomes the returns are the unseen. I don't know. There, there's a lot of economics books out there that talk about the seen and the unseen. And what I've experienced personally, as I've created, you know, a lot of money in these insurance policies is not what the insurance policies ever did, right? I mean, there's different companies. One may pay you four, one pays you three, one pays you five. And of course, everybody wants to try to figure out the one that pays you five. But it's really, <laughs> at the end of the day, that one to 2% is not the difference maker. The difference maker is when people get that aha moment that I now have access to cash and I have a place that I now get to go tell it what to do. And they find guys like you who are helping them see something that they've never seen before. And then they start looking around. An example I love to give, Reed, is you know, the, the part of, you know, when I was a little kid, you were talking about little things. That was the way you made your first dollar. Well, I just remember as a kid, I got fascinated with uh, the digital clock when it said 11-11. To this day, I, I'm, uh, multiple times a week, I will see the clock say 11-11. Now, do you know what the little function is in your brain that tells you that? It, no. It's something called the reticular activating system. And for some people, it's when they, when they went and bought their car for the first time and they drove it off the lot and they realized their car was no longer as unique as they thought it was because they started seeing <laughs> every other car around them the same. <laughs> it was the same one. Well, this way my brain is with 11-11. I just think it's interesting. So then I went like right now it's 12:44. It, my brain doesn't say every time it's 12:44, 12:44. It just tells me, it, you know, it's just the time of day. But when it's 11:11, it just says, "Hey, by the way, that's important to you for whatever reason." Because I thought it was important as a kid. Well, the reason that's important to money is when people have stored cash in a place they actually can access it, then they start telling their brain this is important. And what we have found is the amount of deal flow people actually do when they have access to cash is through the roof. So it doesn't matter what the one or 2% Delta is on the money it's access to cash. And there's no other tool that I have found where people have actually experienced that sort of freedom, except through this mechanism. Another way I would say the same thing is the Delta is it's important when it comes to the actual math and the policy. We don't want to discount that. Like, I mean, that would be silly, but the Delta is way bigger on the education that our clients go through because what they've right. always been trained to do, and this is a programming that wall street does. We call it the wall street mindset. It's out of sight, out of mind. I don't have to be engaged in growing my own wealth. 
So what happens? I set it up on a shelf and I go about doing my business and I don't think about how that I'm either getting ahead or behind. I, I don't have a report card other than I get this statement once every quarter, once every year, whatever. And I don't have, I have my blinders on, right? So you, I mean, Robert Kiyosaki would say there's million dollar deals that go under your nose every single day, but you don't know to look for them. Well, when, when all of a sudden people take control of their finances and they're no longer deferring money and life, they're putting it into their control. One of our clients said it best. He says, now that I had access to cash, my education came at a premium because I had to tell my money what to go do. And so that's why the podcast exists. That's why our community exists is we're surrounding people without those limiting beliefs anymore, without the limited networks that we've all grown up with. Now we're surrounded by people that are thinking in a different way and, and pushing each other to get to freedom faster today. Not don't, don't defer that. Don't be just satisfied with the status quo of sitting in my cubicle, as you mentioned, for 40 years and wishing I was somewhere else, right? Let's, let's really get after making the lives that we want. And so I think infinite banking, that Delta comes in the form of education and we hear it every week from somebody else that we've been working with. Well, I think it's super important to use it as a tool to, to go out and, you know, 10x your growth in terms of the money you have available and, and putting it into different investment vehicles, not only just real estate, but the other vehicles that you mentioned out there before, like businesses, like startups and online communities, or online uh, ventures or e-commerce. E um, so it's really, really interesting. I guess what's been the most uh, unique way of making cash flow that you've seen through the community you've created? <laughs> Whoa, um, that, that's, a, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> I will give you one that is something that Joey and I are participating in that is by far really unique and it's land flipping, raw land. Flip. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of this before? Yes. I've had, I've had two lads on the show talk exactly like the land geek on talking about yeah. it. And I had another, another two gentlemen on yeah. talking about exactly that, that to me was like by far one of the most unique things that, that we, we are actually doing personally and seeing success in. Yeah, we just bought uh, 20 parcels in Florida uh, for about $2,500 a piece and turned around within two days and sold four of them for the equivalent of about 12000 each. I mean, this wow. is like absurd, the, the inefficiency of land, if you will, like that market, you can really take advantage of, um, you know, finding that delta so much easier and then creating cash flow from owner financing it back. That's, that's been extraordinary. And one of our clients actually, that's not super unique, but he's probably one out of one or two, probably out of the whole community that has done that. So that's been pretty cool. Awesome. So lads, we're getting to the end of the show, but before we get into the top five investing tips, what's the, uh, the future hold for rest of 2020 and, and the online community? Man, there's so much opportunity right now, Reed. I mean, there's so many people that are seeking um, a different way, right? I mean, thankfully, the, the beauty of such a horrific start to this year is that people <laughs> had a chance, I feel like, to press the reset button to some degree, evaluate. And I think it's created more, more education and learning. So I think you're going to get exposed more in what you do. What we're doing is getting exposed to people because podcasts now, uh, you know, people are like, wait a second, there's, I've got to do more than watch Jeopardy, you know, uh, and every rerun of that. I can't, you know, you no know, sports to watch. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Tiger King's gone. I can't watch that anymore. So like they're, they're looking for other opportunities. And I think there's, there's amazing things when we see that, yes, business is inefficient in different ways. And entrepreneurship comes through the hardest of times. And the, the way that we've seen business done in the past just uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of these businesses that, that, that should have gone away a long time ago. It's funny. I was telling my, my daughters were listening to Joey and I list out just a ton of different businesses that filed bankruptcy. And one of my daughters was like, JC Penney's like, weren't they bankrupt like years ago? <laughs> like, have they really been relevant? But just there's lots of, I think, opportunity that exists out there for people who now are seeking it. And one of the things that we've seen 
from the typical uh, space is that this CARES Act has opened up access to money in 401ks and IRAs to people that they didn't want to, they wanted to get out, but they didn't want to pay the penalty. And we, we interviewed some tax attorneys on our, uh, on our podcast and they were sitting there talking about the, the different ways that people can get access to that money now this year without not only penalty, but also being able to delay uh, and spread the tax out over a three-year period of time. So that's been a really blessing, I think, for a lot of people who, who wanted to maybe have a startup or wanted to invest in real estate or whatever, but had their money kind of in prison sitting inside their typical financial plan. Well, guys, I think you have got a huge future ahead of you, and I think 2020 is going to be the birth of some incredible investment opportunities. And I know that your platform will be out at the forefront to teach them exactly what to do once they come around, right? So, uh, but when we do uh, come to the end of the show, we'd like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Lads, what uh, individually? What, what's your daily habits that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? So I have started something in the last uh, six months where I am spending more time at home in the morning to try to invest in my kids and my marriage and my wife and so that she doesn't feel like she's holding the whole bag. We have five little girls. And so imagine wow. she homeschools uh, three of them now about to be four. So I don't come in until 10. And that really gives me time to spend time with the Lord to do any sort of exercise and to really invest in educating, helping to educate the kids in the morning. And that just kind of takes a big load off of me to be able to focus when I'm here and, uh, you know, hopefully put out some good content with this guy. Yeah. I think it's important for us to, to get active in some way every single day in order to relieve the stresses because our minds sometimes can get concerned with work or with investing or whatever it is. And for me, yeah, it's, it's daily exercise. I, I wake up, I go work out with a group of guys every single morning at 7 a.m. And, and that kind of sets the precedent for, for the rest of the day. Love it, love it. Question number two is, who are the most influential people in your career to date? Yeah, well, I, I would start this off. I mean, it's easy for me because the the man who had the most influence in my life was the man who wrote that book, uh, Becoming Your Own Banker, Nelson Nash. We, we happened to be in his backyard here in Birmingham. Uh, I read that book. I was on the a flight home after seeing um, him on a stage talking about this concept. I was down in Orlando, Florida, and I'm flying home and I finished the book and I turn it over and it shows his address, Birmingham, Alabama. And, and that, that led to 10 years of us being able to really um, pick his brain and, and have a relationship with Stalk him. Stalk him, right? I'm sorry? Stalk Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> yes, I definitely did that. And, and he, you know, he, he graduated last year and went to be with the Lord. But, you know, for 10 years, I had a chance to spend a lot of time with him. And he influenced me in many ways. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. We, we had many lunches with Nelson, uh, had him here to meet our clients uh, a number of times and went to multitude of seminars here in Birmingham. He, he definitely had the biggest impact both professionally and I think personally, uh, just the way he lived his life and loved his family and uh, the legacy he left. Question number three is what's the most influential tool in your business that you use on a daily basis? And when I say tool, it could be a hardware like a journal or a phone, or it could be software, which is that you just can't live without. What is it? I have to say, to me, it's more of a concept or an idea that we picked up along the way. Uh, we read Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And if you haven't read that book, I don't care what business you're in, it, it really gave us a picture of what it's like to build a brand um, and that your brand is not about you. It's about others. Who you serve is the hero. And I think most brands get that backwards. I know we did at first is we were always trying to talk about what are we doing to make you successful? What, you know, what, what value do we bring? And ultimately people want to know that they're the hero and we're just the guide. So we, we've invested in, um, you know, training on this. We've read the book, we use it on our podcast. Uh, it, any presentation we give, I mean, I feel like it's just, it's just all over our business and it's made probably one of the biggest impacts in the last several years. So I, 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 I'm really big in time management and, and so I've, you know, I've read so many different books on that one that comes to mind is no BS time management, but 
I, I try to follow a daily calendar. So I, I spend, you know, on Friday afternoon, so later on today, I will spend the, 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 you know, an hour or two just evaluating how did I do on my, on my schedule for this week and then planning out next week. I break out my, my schedule into three primary areas and I try to evaluate, did I, did I hit those three areas? Did I spend time in that or did I get distracted doing something that really someone else could be doing? Mm, I love it. One, one um, to book I'd I'd recommend to you both is Key Person of Influence by Dan Priestley, Australian author. He's also written another book called 24 Assets. He talks a lot about in there, and it's about Key Person of Influence becoming one, but also that we are, as a Key Person of Influence, you're not, shouldn't be in the spotlight, but you should be directing the spotlight to someone else. And that's the really most important thing around the brand um, and how you build that and how you build a following. So a little bit of... Um, Definitely pick up those books. Uh, question number four is: What has been the biggest failure in each of your careers, and what did you learn from that failure? Yeah, man, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much time do you have? Reed? You only got yeah. <laughs> do it in one sentence, yeah. okay? <laughs> uh, I know it's supposed to be a lightning round, right? Uh, I, I would go back to uh, early on. The biggest failure, I would say, for me, was spending two years to become a certified financial planner. What'd you learn from that? I learned that. What was, what was the takeaway? Yeah, my my takeaway is learn from people who are actually doing things, not teaching things. And, and so for me, when we we're interviewing people, the first thing we ask, and um, you know, before the interview starts, is like, how are you? How how is this impacting your life? Whatever they're teaching us. And what I find is that there are people who are actually doing what they say they're doing, and it's impacting their life, and they're just teaching because they want to go back into the dark and bring people to the light. What I found is through the CFP training, it was a lot of people teaching that had never experienced it. They'd written books and subject matter that was irrelevant. You know, it, it was out of date when they wrote it 20 years prior. <laughs> and, and so if people really want to learn how to be financially successful, they need to go learn from people who are financially successful. And, and that, that to me was a big lesson. I think, uh, Reed, for me, I was in the mortgage industry for 11 years and in that time frame, I don't think it's necessarily unique to me, but I got caught up in the idea that the more I would work, the more fulfillment that would be, bring in terms of, you know, let's say raises or income increases or whatever like this. And um, gratefully, I think the Lord kind of brought me out of that whenever I, I came to Russ. And I was like, man, I really feel passionate about what we're teaching here, what you're teaching. I want to I be doing this with you. I went home to my wife, and this is after probably, I don't know how many years of 60 plus hour work weeks and stressful weekends and nights and not being able to go on vacation without my phone just completely, you know, in my hand all the time. And I went back to her and I said, hey, you know, you know, at the time I was making well over $300,000 a year and she didn't work. So I was kind of nervous to tell her, Hey, I think the Lord's telling me we need to start this business from scratch. And you know, she was pregnant with our fourth daughter and she looked at me and she said, I think you should do it. And, awesome. and I said, what, how, <laughs> where, where did you do with my wife? But the reality was I had really lost focus. I was focusing on the wrong things and not seeking freedom for time and um, being present with my family. And um, I think as entrepreneurs, we struggle with that naturally, but it's been a lot easier to do uh, since making this transition. I think you bring up a whole different episode <laughs> that we could do of, of, of understanding balance across, and you talk about pillars of wealth, but pillars within your own life. And, and, and business just happens to be one of those pillars. So um, a whole other story that I'd love to get you boys back on to chat about. Last question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to find out what you do. Where do they go? Yeah, so go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash investing in the U.S. Sound familiar, Reed? <laughs> no, what is that? Is that a new show? <laughs> so, yeah, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash investing in the U.S. And that's going to give you free access actually to our community where we have built as many tools as possible for people who are looking for ways to take control or looking ways to create a course and who are looking for ways to create a life outside of work. That is where they're not trading time for money. And we we've built uh, really a, a super network in there. Amazing. You're going to be in there really soon. Read it. 
and sharing. And I just think that this is a great place for people who are looking for community, looking for somebody to push them to get further than where they are. Yeah, it's a place for education. It's a place for uh, lim- getting rid of those limiting beliefs, getting rid of the limits on your network. Again, those are the things I feel like are holding us back. And the community kind of has brought it all into one roof. And uh, you can actually get it on your phone. So it's super easy, uh, an app you can find in the app store. So anyway, uh, we'd love to, to love network it. with you guys and, and meet you in the app. Awesome, awesome. Well, boys, I want to thank you for dropping by today. I just want to quickly reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I've written a bunch of notes down here. Is And, and a couple of top two or three things that I took away was money in motion. I think it's so important. And through different vehicles like the whole term life policy insurance insurance policy, I should say, that you can use to keep keeping that money in motion all the time to creating that long-term wealth, I think is super important. Mindset, and, and, and this is cliche, but mindset and education and the fact that you boys are leading with it um, and, and helping create a community in and around you are educating others to be successful and bring them out of the tunnel, as you said before, and into the light. So I think there are a couple of things that I took away from today's show. Did it leave anything out? No, that's great. Thank you so much, Reed, for having us on. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, thank you very much, lads. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Joey and Russ. If you do want to get into their sphere, make sure you head over to the website and check them out because they are jam-packed with some incredible information and education on their platform about creating the different five pillars to wealth and being around other people who are urging and you know just wanting to find out more about creating passive income through different ways outside of Wall Street. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes. And I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, go live.